Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Another episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. It's the show where we talk about musicals, everything we learnt from them, and basically just, you know, blabber on about how much we love things and hate things and, and love them anyway and love to hate them. And occasionally we talk about cats, but not today! Today we're talking about communism. Woo! Um, Communist cats? No. It's gonna oh, that be, would be good. It's going to be a really interesting show. Um, I, I love the ones where we get to delve in deep, uh, which is probably why I'm hosting because I am notorious for the long episodes. So strap yourselves in. Uh, we're going to try and get through it quickly, though. I'm going to do my best. Um, Zane is on the mic today. I'm on the mic. Hello, everyone. So I'm he'll here. be able to keep me in line, mm. keep me on track. Sure. I'll keep just the press timer the timer going. I will, yeah. I will verbally say we need to move on now. We need to move on, Miranda. You need to stop. And Julie's also here. Hey, Julie. Oh, hey, 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 hey. No KB today, but we miss her very much. She know well. She, um, got, the, she got the sniffles. She got the sniffles. She got the sniffles. But she has not got the COVID, so well, we hope. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's how you start rumours. I should stop talking <laughs> and introduce our host. Hello. I guest. mean, guest. There guest. Guest. Hello, guest. Who do Hello. we have? Hello. I'm the guest. And the guest's name is? Matthew Cafe. And also, word on the street is that Kristen Barros has COVID. No. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear that. I did hear that very recently. Wow. Very uh-huh. recently. Very recently. Um, now, I did make you say your own name because I am very scared of the interesting spelling of your surname. Um, apparently, it's not pronounced coffee, everyone. Just It's pronounced... <laughs> Is that was that yeah. correct? Did I do that? Yeah, right? that's pretty close. That's pretty close. It's yeah. an Italian last name. Uh, I think that a correct pronunciation would be Cafoli. <laughs> oh, that sounds great, <laughs> Matthew. But, uh, sound... I just say Cafe. Cafe. <laughs> Matthew Cafe. Um, <laughs> an actor and also the artistic director of Mashed Theatre. You do a lot of youth theatre with Mashed, is that right? Am I making that up? No. Yeah, that's correct. We do a lot of youth theatre. Uh, that's that's pretty much. All we do. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it like it's nothing. You're embedding the youth um, with a love of theatre and drama and nice all the wonderful things. I was really wondering where that was going. Not yeah, I should not be a representative of my company. <laughs> <laughs> not today. Not talking about this show. Uh, but what show have you brought to us? Oh, it's the Three Penny Opera. Or the Thrapni Opera. Or the Drei Groschen Opera. Oh, did that you hear that? Sense. Does that do we all approve of that yeah, German? Approved. Yeah, Dragoshnopper. Yeah. 
as yeah. as <laughs> only person who hasn't been to Germany <laughs> or it sounded impressive is to me. Somewhat German. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Oh, thanks oh, for that. I made a bit French on that, didn't I? My accent. Eisentrager. That's what. Uh, your last name is right, Julie? Yes. Or is that bad for me to say on a podcast where other people on the internet are going to be able to see you? <laughs> it's name? like the closest Australia's going to get, you know? Yeah, Eisentrager. Yeah, does yeah. have an umlau over the A, but, you know, haven't used it. Oh, it's Eisentrager. Uh huh. Ooh. Mm. Nice. It's like the underside of a bridge. Like so, the really, you should structure. be spelling it with a T R A E G E R. Yes. Yeah. But we shan't. No. We shan't do that. No. that I've, I've learnt to spell it one way and I'll continue <laughs> to spell it that way. Don't want to confuse you. Uh, let's learn some more things about Matthew Kapur, though. Um, oh, my God. Uh, that's, how, that's how you pronounce it. I that said is it, how you pronounce it. See, and I'm shimmy. He would know. He would know. <laughs> I'm enjoying the shimmy. <laughs> uh, so we're going to do the quiz and I get to do my own theme song for the quiz today. So are you ready, Miranda? Yes, I am. Why, thank you for checking. No problem, Miranda. It's always a joy to have you. I know. I'm welcome. Getting to know you. It was slightly German, do you think? It no, was a little bit. I'm not it was. That. I got it. What I heard is a is a is a sound of music German, which is mm. English. Yes. Mm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> similar to a cabaret German, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. let's get to the questions, Matthew. Are you ready? I think so. <laughs> which musical character would other people compare you to? Ah, uh, uh, Le Fou. Le Fou. <laughs> We're traveling the entirety of Europe today. Mm-hmm. Um, we've yeah, gone from yeah. Germany. We're now in France. Uh, Le Fou. Why Le Fou? Who, so... is your, who is your Gaston? Uh, my Gaston is uh, <laughs> my... Uh... Surely you need someone that you toady to <laughs> if you are Surely a Le Fou. I do. So that just kind of uh, like makes you just a submissive idiot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, I guess my mum is my Gaston, right? Aww. Oh, that's Aww. so sweet. A little weird, She's but like, okay. Clean your that's room. Bad. And I'm like, fuck you, mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm not supposed to say that. There F-word. goes there the we explicit. Are. We're explicit. <laughs> We're explicit this week. Uh, yeah. We were warned. We I were read warned. the primer. It's okay. Uh, which musical character would you like other people to compare you to? Who would you aspire to be? Oh, or do you just um, really like that you're the foo? Mm. No, no, no. I would actually love to be Sweeney Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the uh, sidekick to the bad guy. I just want to be the bad guy. The bad that, guy, please. I mean, is it wrong that I idolize serial killers? It's aspirational. Come on, he's got he a great business, business model. Yeah, yeah. He's earning money. Yes. He, Started up from scratch. Come on, guys. That's He's a, got a wife and a child. She makes pies. That's that's the woman I on mean, the side. I think you're still it. complicated. <laughs> um, let's move on. What's your dream role? Hamlet. Hamlet. Nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Have they made a musical about Hamlet? <laughs> no, not uh, yet. Oh well. Oh no, not yet. Does Hamlet count? Not. Were you I thinking really of something not. rotten as that musical? No, I'm sure. Mm. I am sure that there Hamlet is Hamlet the rock opera or something. Yeah, Hamlet two, the rock opera is <laughs> is a plot point in a high school movie. I guess the other the other character <laughs> I would love to play is either Rosencrantz or Guildenstern, but in the Tom Stoppard version of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. 
So yeah, you just sure. you just want to play opposite either of the two that played it already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Roth, please. Mm. They're great. Oh, Roth. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Fuck. <laughs> and again, second and again, one. There we go. Sorry, guys. <laughs> two bombs. Bombs everywhere. Bam, bam. What's your favorite Sondheim show? Sondheim. Uh okay. Uh <laughs> I'm just going to, I guess, uh, look, I'm not a musical guy at all, uh, but I, I know Som- Sondheim and I, I'm pretty sure Sweeney Todd was <laughs> one of his. Sweeney, 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 Sweeney. He got there. <laughs> I think he did write it, yeah. Um, some, yeah, I think so. Or Into the Woods is actually, I'm pretty sure that's Sondheim as well, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. And uh, I do enjoy that one, but I think Sweeney Todd is a bit more darker, so I love that a little bit more. Yes. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Uh, what is your go-to shower song? What's What's in the top ten in Matthew's Ooh. bathroom this week? R e s p e c t. Nice. Find out what it means to me. <laughs> yeah. R e s p e c t. Take care. What's the next line? I don't know. That's I why I was I genuinely curious to see where that went. P e c t. R e s p e c t thing. That's all I ever get to. I'm like R e s p e c t. 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 Yeah. There has to be another question, surely. There is another question. It's time. It's time to delete a musical from existence. Which one should no longer? Title of show. Title of show. Uh, I don't hate that answer. Get the heck out of here, you meta piece of crap. (laughs) That sums up my feelings. Wow. There are a lot of meta musicals. That's probably the most famous one. And they should have stopped the title of show. Mm, mm. Oh, they definitely didn't start that, though. And, like, the vampire song in title of show. Is my favourite one in the show, so just just tread easy. Tread easy. Well, Matthew's not in the room, so you can't fight him, Miranda. But what you what we can do is go on to the next segment. All right, let's go on to the next segment. I love that I've polarised my hosts already. (laughs) I'm still upset about Die Vampire Die. You're allowed to be upset. Some people are upset that we destroyed cats. Some people oh, are upset that, that I hate this show. Really... So... Look, look, I did think about cats uh, in saying I should delete that one. Well, yeah, you, you you're not allowed to because yeah. it's died more than nine times, dead. so it's already gone. Um, but enough exactly. about that. I did say we were not going to talk about cats on this episode. Mm. <laughs> we're going to... <laughs> it was a hairball. Sorry, hairball. Sorry, everyone. Uh, but we are going to talk about the Thrippany Opera Yes. Take it away, Matthew. Uh, actually, <laughs> episode's <Okay>. yours. <laughs> You've got 20 minutes. Just go for it. No, um, what you do oh is but you have the a, first thing that yeah. we're going to do is we're going to uh, get you to give us the synopsis. So everything that happens in the show as a two-minute elevator pitch. How do you oh, think? Oh, okay. All yeah. right. And you're putting up, like, I see you're putting up a little alarm clock I've there. Got, yeah, I've got Julie's, timer. Julie's going to time it. Well, tell me when you're going to time. In two minutes. And... When you start talking is when the timer starts. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Here we go. Um, all right. So, guys, listen. The Three Penny Opera, one of the greatest uh, musicals or plays with music ever or songs ever created. Uh, I think it was the catalyst for a large number of musicals that you know, came after it. It was a huge inspiration for everything from Sondheim uh, to that other Weber guy. I, don't, I can't remember his name. Um, and, uh, and anyway, so Three Penny Opera, basically 
is a story about survival, right? Bertolt Brecht, the guy from Germany uh, that that wrote it, actually it was Elizabeth Hauptmann, but uh, whatever. And uh, we'll and so he uh, he came up with it was based on the Beggars Opera, and he came up with this whole story, which was basically uh, a policeman. Uh, a, a beggar king basically a pimp for beggars uh a, a criminal and then a couple of love interests and uh and they all betray each other in order to come out on top it's about survivability that's the ultimate goal now uh if i was to give you a story synopsis it would be mr peachin which is the king of the beggars he controls all the beggars and earns money from them he's a capitalist he basically controls them they're all his employees even though he capitalizes off of their misfortune and uh he his daughter polly is going to marry mckeith uh mckeith is the uh king of thieves and uh uh he hates mckeith and so he speaks with tiger brown who is like a mckeith's one of one of mckeith's best friends and then uh uh, he you betrayed, were running out of time. He convinces Tiger Brown to uh, betray McKeith, and then McKeith gets uh, sentenced to death, and then McKeith gets saved by Tiger Brown. Why have they all got such weird names? Because yeah. they're gangsters in early or no, late 1800s London. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's yeah, basically yeah. like um, growing up Oliver. Oliver, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to say that this is like Les Mis meets Oliver. <laughs> yeah. Molliver. Oliver? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Molliver. A, <laughs> a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde in there just for flavour. Also, a little it, bit yeah. of um, uh, Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. No. Oh. Mm. <laughs> okay. Mm. Wow, you've Look, got dueling sopranos, I'm just saying. But yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. and corsets. <laughs> I'll give you the corsets. So it's, it's a. Oh, yeah, you go. Well, it. Um, it was written in 1928, six. nine, six. It was 1926 when Elizabeth Houtman started like actually uh, translating the Beggar's Opera, which was a John Gay opera. Uh, uh, she got the transcript from someone in England. I don't know, one of her friends, whatever. Uh, and she she started translating it and um, translating it <clears> from English is, into the, German. Yes. Yeah, the story yep. is that uh, Bertolt Brecht actually went to a theatre company in Berlin and said, this is the play I want you guys to do. This is what I'm going to pitch. And they said, nah, fuck, oh, screw that. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then he went, oh, okay, no worries. I've actually been translating a play. <laughs> this other thing. Uh, and it's called The Three Penny Opera. Uh, would you like to do that? And then they're like, yes, here's money. And um, that's how I want to do started. what the other thing was. I don't know what it was, but I want to do the other thing. <laughs> it was not better. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, it, uh, they didn't even change the name initially. That happened quite late in the piece. So even when it was pitched, it was still the Thrippany Opera, and the uh, it was still the Beggars Opera. Beggars Opera. Yeah. Um, and when uh, they started doing publicity for it and stuff, they were still calling it that. But it you know, perhaps caused some confusion mm. due to the fact that the original source material that it was now completely like changed yeah, from, from yeah. um it wasn't the same thing so they changed it um very very late in the piece as part of the marketing which i think is like an interesting little thing the, but- the, the thing the reason behind that though is because uh what brecht and kurt vile wanted to do so they actually paired up because brecht was on a radio interview and then kurt vile was around in Berlin at the time because all artists were in Berlin at the time. This was like during the 1920s, during it's the depression. The two wars. Uh, money was inflated like crazy, right? And so uh, Bertolt Brecht said that 
one of the musical uh, comp- com- compositioners, composers, composers. Uh, one. one of the composers that he'd love to work with would be Kurt Vile because of his uh, he he hated form, he hated structure, so he mm. he messed with structure <laughs> a lot. And yet, and- it is very structured. Every song well, sounds almost the same. <laughs> it's, it is quite structured, but not in the way that was uh, structured at the time, right? That's right. Uh, that's Kurt, right. One of Kurt Vile's things that he did, what was he? What he was known for was working with destroying the operatic structure and and bringing that down because he believed that the form of opera at the time was dead, right? And if people weren't uh, young, people weren't willing to go to theater to see opera. Uh, and opera could not adapt to that then opera will die and deserves to die and i still believe that is the case right it's happening um, again, even though opera still... still persists today uh <laughs> but what kurt Vile did one of the operas kurt Vile did uh to to kind of increase his fame I, I i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but it was written all in minor the entire thing until the last aria in which it transitions uh to a major key and everyone gave a standing ovation and Kurt Bar was like this was a horrible opera yet people <laughs> still thought it was amazing that is dumb yeah. right and so he loved to manipulate people exactly how Bertolt Brecht loved to manipulate people and so they met up and during this time it was the, the depression the mark was like inflated like crazy and so they couldn't say it was the beggar's opera because that to them, that felt like if they called it an opera, it would not. Uh, even if it was with Beggar as a, as you know, a, um, a kind of a, a disclaimer, um, they could not sell it. So they actually called it the Thrupney Opera or the Dry Goshen Opera uh, in order to bring people along to it. And they See, thought, well, it's really cheap and lowbrow, guys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Maybe I could get along with these guys. <laughs> hey, I Julie. can't get along with that. Hey, work. Julie. Hey, yeah. Do you want to guess what the name of the work that the theatre didn't want was? Before they got the three, the, the beggars' opera, which turned into three. In German, opera. I was going to say, is it in German? <laughs> if you can get the English translation, sure. Schnee um, Komplorchen der Perm. It was, was that called. German? No. <laughs> this is great radio. <laughs> I'm just thinking dirty two things. Two words. It's two. Well, two words fused into one in German. Oh. I don't know them. Fleischhacker. <laughs> I would rather watch that. Do you know what that means, though? Do you know what Fleischhacker means? I don't. I don't think we can say it, can we? Um, I mean, I know we've already gone explicit, but well, okay. Anyway, let's move I'll, on. I'll just leave it um, up to Anamatapia, but uh, uh, Fleisch, right. just to give the audience an idea, is meat. Mm. Or flesh, mm. so flesh hacker <laughs> and hacker flesh, not that different. Same thing, yeah. Would that not be great? Okay, so he might have written Sweeney Todd, <laughs> or maybe inspired sometimes. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh, shut the front door. <laughs> um, the other, I, I found a couple of cool quotes from um, Kurt Vile, uh, which he he was talking about the Thrupney Opera later and said a lot of those things that you just mentioned about, um, you know, he was trying to bring down the aristocratic style mm. of of opera and um and basically saying that you know if it couldn't um withstand the impact of age then it needed to be destroyed it's just like the language that he uses is actually so physical and and strong like i mean i just look we need to we need to look at opera and make some changes no we need to destroy it it needs yeah. to be said this is literally communist propaganda. Yes, it I, I, I absolutely. I just feel is. like I could get along other, with these guys. 
I, I think you would. Could. The Beggars Opera and and then in turn this show um, focused a lot on the hypocrisy of the upper class and um, and making fun of them and, and bringing them down and stuff. But, but um, a lot of that had to do with the communist agenda yeah, that they yeah. were both sort of working through. Um, Marxism was, was growing at this song, time. He's going to know. Um, so this was... Um, between the two world wars when there was a lot of political change happening yep. and, and that artistic growth in, in Europe and particularly around... In Weimar, Germany. Yeah, is Germany literally where they, was where they... Um, all creating some pretty insane stuff. And I'd say this is pretty insane. Like, you... you it, it is. Yeah. You, no one goes to a Brechtian play to feel comfortable. And I feel <laughs> like this is the musical version of that. Do you think they it's did then? It's uncomfortable to listen to. It's uncomfortable to think about the concept it's uncomfortable to connect with the characters do you think the audiences then when it was written knew enough about brecht and his no no that's the thing like they they were manipulating how many people went to it and went oh this this is great this is new and interesting or how many people went to it and went what the hell just happened (laughs) okay here's the thing i can actually answer that so um so, so uh, Brecht, uh, I'm an actor and I, I, I love uh, theater literature and theater history. So uh, Bertolt Brecht actually was a complete swine, right? He, 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 um, <laughs> I've never been heard him described that way. I believe <laughs> it. Yeah. He was a swine. He actually, the way that, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of Bertolt Brecht, but he's always dressed down. He looks like a homeless beggar. He, uh, he does not, uh, brush his teeth. He never washed his hair. He always cut his hair like in a bad way. Oops. Sorry. I hit my mic. Uh, and so this guy actually got his, image from a poet he saw when he first moved to um uh uh, uh the bavaria the the uh, munich. munich when he first yeah. moved to munich he saw he saw he went to a like a classic bohemian dive bar and there was a poet there and he was dressed down and all the women loved him so bertolt brecht actually dressed up in that way right uh and so he was wearing no the one, costume of yeah. he was wearing the costume because of bohemia to him of Bohemia because to him it actually created this image that he wanted to represent which was the lower class which was the struggling which was the oppressed and to women and someone who is a poet who romanticizes language that was something he could capitalize on he was a piece of crap uh and he cheated on so many women but the thing is uh, what he did with the three penny opera yes People actually did know Bertolt Brecht at this point. He had written a, a few operas already. He had written a, a few plays already. He had already been established as a playwright, so people knew his name. Now, in a time in 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 uh, in like depression uh, Berlin, where uh, all artists were struggling and fighting to actually get on top, uh, they hated Bertolt Brecht, um, and that is largely the reason everyone went to see it because. He was so, the guy that was actually winning. He was Germany's early century Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got it right. Andrew Lloyd Webber. I said Webber guy, <laughs> right? <laughs> he was trying to be popularist, even though that's not what he was born into. Yeah. And Well, he was. He was born upper class. Bertolt Brecht is an upper class guy. He was uh, 
Yeah, and he just assumed the role of lower class uh, because that to him seemed more bankable than being upper class at the time because everyone hated upper class people. Yeah, and including him, yeah. which was well, you know part well, of the Marxism. For Three Penny Opera, um, Elizabeth Houtman had already written la- like most of the work. And I think... <laughs> Elizabeth uh, who? I'm sorry. Did you say a girl's name? Yeah, yeah. And it was about four. He actually had about four female playwrights that worked for him throughout his entire career. Uh, and As he never was the style of the time. Any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so uh, she had written the majority of the work already. He had gotten uh, Kurt Weill on board. They all moved to France, kind of on the coast of France in between, like just on lovely. the border of Spain. Mm, lovely um, area. Experiencing the Mediterranean Sea. And they finished the play there, right? When they opened the play, it actually sold out and kept selling out all the way. Everyone went and saw this play because a famous uh actor was was a part of it a famous german actor i can't remember his name i apologize i should have done my research properly on this um franz uh, we'll call him hans franz hans franz (laughs) yeah there we go uh yeah hans franz Franz works for me totally so hans franz who was this famous uh actor he uh he actually refused to 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 open the show because he was mckeith and that was supposed to be the uh lead role Right, even though Breck doesn't work with lead roles, so he, he was supposed but to be the lead role. But actors do, <laughs> including <laughs> Hans Franz. And his ego was bruised, and he said, "I'm not opening this show. Screw you. The show's done. I'm yeah, going fair. home." <laughs> Bertolt Brecht went to his place and said, "Please, we need you. We're opening in two days. We need you to open the show." The please, uh, please, the actor please. was Harold Palson. So, so close. <laughs> and uh, so Harold said. I don't have an opening song. And Bertolt Brecht said, okay, we will write you a song. But the thing is, we're not going to have you sing it. We're going to have someone else (laughs) sing that song and you can be on stage and you can give a little wink to the audience and say, I'm McKeith. And then everyone can go, ooh, the mystery of who this McKeith is. He's sexy. He's gorgeous. So McCavity, I'm with you. (laughs) And and then, uh, so Bert. We weren't going to talk about Cat. Sorry so to interrupt you. The song Die Martat uh, von uh, Mac, uh, or what is it, Mac the Knife, or Mac, Mac the Messer. Mac the Knife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, this is actually something that Sondheim does a lot. You know, he writes the whole show and they get two days out from opening and he's like, oh, I just might just, just throw this last little number in. I just, uh, you know, something or rather doesn't feel right or somebody needs a song or mm. whatever, throws one in becomes the biggest hit of the yeah. show. That is <laughs> and, uh, definitely yeah, and, uh, what happened here. <laughs> and for real, like what happened on the night. So this is opening night, right? Of uh, uh, Three Penny Opera, it, completely packed out audience of all of the press, all that kind of stuff, right? And they're sitting in there and they're watching the show and they had, uh, I don't know what the instrument is called, but the guy who was singing, he's like a narrator. He's not a role at all. But the guy who was singing Mac the Knife or Di Margaret von uh, Mac Di Messer, uh, he, um, he, he had like one of those uh, rolly things. What are they called? Like, dick, 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 and they play like a melody. You know those things? They've got a name. I've got no a idea. Uh, like the ones that usually have a monkey sitting on top of them? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had one of those and it was supposed to work and then it broke as they opened the show. And it just, all it did was tick, tick, tick and had this metronome. And the actor instead decided to continue singing the song and was like, That's cool. It's become such an iconic thing. Just that metronome in the background. Except not swung. 
And from that <laughs> song, from that travesty that was like not supposed to happen, the audience gave a standing ovation and the show became an instant hit overnight. Do you know Must where I got nice. stuck in this story? Where? On the not brushing the teeth. Like, because, <laughs> like, how is that a tactical sexy time move? You're like, I want to be like, that's that, that guy. You he come gets all the ladies. You know what ladies love? No, no, no. Furry teeth. It's not about a furry teeth. It's about not caring about your yeah. appearance. No, yeah. I'm definitely going to need you to care. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you are you are very are bougie. You're yeah. bougie. Oh, yeah, yo, yeah we know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so very much. So let's talk quickly. I know because we have we've gone very in depth, and Zane's um, clock is ticking over there. <laughs> hey, 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 now. Um, <laughs> let's talk quickly about the the actual music. Mm. Um, mm. This I find this an interesting quote from a composer of a musical <laughs> slash opera. Music cannot further the action of the play or create its background but it achieves its proper value when it interrupts the action at just the right moment, mm. which is and like so anti the musical <laughs> theatre. And so, yeah, it's, so, it's really strange for me to bring this production into this podcast because it, it blurs the line between musicals and, I, I guess, plays, right? Uh, well, it, yeah, the, it isn't necessarily a musical no. because musicals further the action with song yes. and uh, a play with songs uh, has the <laughs> the action interrupted by songs, but at the same time, Bertolt Brecht and Kurt Weill did not achieve that uh, that quote that you just said there. They did not achieve it because they did further the action with the songs, but only intermittently. It was never not every song that furthered the action. It was a few songs, like for example, the last uh, one of the last uh, songs, which are. Uh, reprieves uh, McKeith from being executed and says, you have been uh, pardoned by the queen. Yes. Uh, and so he's like, oh, I'm pardoned by the queen. Oh. <laughs> and so the action I, therefore is furthered. The thing that gets me, I, mean, like, I feel like if you can listen to the soundtrack and know the story and understand the characters, then that's usually a good use of music in yeah. a musical mm -hmm. because it's going to pick up on those points where you are that are the most important parts of the action or the change in character but you, it, you can't do that listening to this i that's so i feel like they did accomplish it in most parts but you're right there are bits of it where you you pick up what's going on or what's happening between the characters in the songs, but they all feel out of context. Like I don't have the rest of the story. Um, and I think probably the, that's why Mac the knife works better than pretty much everything else. The other one, the other um, number that people tend to know from this is the pirate Jenny. Yeah. Pirate. Um, which is because a song it, about it, killing your boss. It is a song about killing ways. your boss. But, <laughs> but the other, the thing that those two numbers share is that they tell a story within themselves mm. and they can mm. stand apart and still make sense without but, the context but the of the, pirate, rest of the show. The Pirate Jenny song actually, I, I mean, it is hailed in, you know, critics' views as one of the greatest songs in the, in the piece. I think the two songs what that actually well stand known. out for me <laughs> is the Solomon song which completely stands outside of everything. Yeah. Uh, and if you listened to the, the album, the Solomon song talks about Socrates, talks about Plato, talks about uh, 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 Napoleon Bonaparte, talks about Bertolt Brecht himself and mentions all of these characters who believed that they were something and 
were actually the opposite of that, that they, they all believed that they were capable of changing something, but failed miserably in that. And uh, the other one that stands out to me is, is uh, the tango ballad. Now the tango ballad famously, famously was done um, by uh, 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 what's uh, Alan Cumming and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, Lauper, Cindy Lauper. Cindy so, Lauper uh, Alan Cumming. They were in a, a version of this together in 2006. I yeah, and they won a Tony Award for it. That. How many times would he have done this then? Because he was in that uh, recording we were listening to earlier that was the 1970s. Yeah. Was Alan Cumming. No, no, no. That, 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 that was, was that version. 2006. That was a 2006 oh, version. Yeah, sorry, my yeah, bad. Yeah, I was like... 1970s, he would have been like uh, three, four very years young. old. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, maybe not that young, but like, yeah. Young. <laughs> I mean, Alan Cumming is like what in his early 50s now or or maybe in his late 40s i'm no, not too sure how old he is no i think he no, is mid 50s at the moment yeah, mid 50s yeah pushing pushing on the door of 60 so yeah you know but he would have been his teenager he wouldn't have played McKee at that age but i would watch it <laughs> right i mean he did oh, uh, famously I would totally watch he did the, uh, what what did he do in uh, the um what was that the 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 cabaret cabaret mm-hmm. yeah. musical what was he the um mc mc the MC, amazing version that he did. Um, it was like almost one of the iconic versions. There was one before him that was like super iconic and then he was the other like androgynous iconic one. Um, and he, he brought the same energy to McKees. Uh, but, but, you know, that song itself talks about this relationship between McKees and Jenny. Uh, Jenny is a whore in the play. Uh, who actually betrays McKeith, uh, you know, later on after Mr. Peacham's wife talks to her and says, you know, hey, if McKeith shows up here, tell the police immediately. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. no worries. And then McKeith shows up and she's like, oh, remember that time we were like together and uh, <laughs> you totally made me whore myself out and then you had a baby with me and then you killed the baby by punching me in the stomach. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, here's the police. Fun times. Right, so- <laughs> that just sounds like, I, that is a very accurate description of just all the things I heard in the first eight songs though. <laughs> like that's all I yeah, heard. That's, that's all I came away with. <laughs> I was like, mm, but but that is the, sh- the is point of the show, it, yeah. and that's the point of most of Breck's shows is that he looks at the morality of man, the, the actual, but not even the morality of man. He 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 capitalizes on the morality of the viewers, but he looks at the base instincts of man, the horrible aspects of who we are as human beings, and he says, "This is what we are." you take away what you will, right? You're going to betray anyone for money. You're going to, uh, you know, uh, betray someone who wronged you in the past by seeking your own revenge. Definitely. You have your own ego, <laughs> which is going to get in your way. You have money, which and it all comes down to that capitalist thing, which again goes back to Marxism yeah. and something that Brecht uh, and both Kurt Weill both really loved is uh, the idea of Marxism and communism and, and both them going, well, you know, capitalism isn't the ideal option here. So let's point out the fallacies of it. So, yeah. Well, that sounds like a great time to move on to our next segment. <laughs> and talk about the lessons that we have learnt from the Threepenny Opera. Mm. Well, I learnt how to be a good little communist. Not really. Not really. Not really, because the the show doesn't necessarily point that out in that specific way. It really focuses on the bad things that capitalism does. Yes. And not the good things that communism does. 
No. no. That's in the sequel. <laughs> How to be a communist 101. <laughs> the fourth Here's the opera. thing though, right? Flashback and this up. is this is one of the lessons that I learned from Brecht. Every every play because I teach Brecht a, Brecht a lot in schools. And and one of the things is he has a thesis when he starts. And that thesis in this example, I don't necessarily know how to phrase it but uh let's say the poverty is the fault of the poor right Mm. and so that's what he's working with so he wants to show the exact uh the reason that that is the case he wants to prove that to be true and he leaves that up to the audience to go well hold on is that actually how it is and he wants them to step away from the whole show and go that shouldn't be how it is no, we need to change something and we need to have a revolution to stop that being the case. And I mean, even even with this current current climate with uh, police brutality and everything that's happening at the moment, uh, uh, you know, uh, Tiger Brown is a corrupt police officer. Mm. He's someone who works with McKeith, but then also is, uh, you know, open to the idea of being bribed by Mr. Peacham, who is a corporate entity, right? And then he does... Uh, be bribed by that and he goes yeah, yeah let's let's go with the more money yeah let's- i mean a lot of the plot is characters trying to earn enough bribe money to get their way from tiger brown from yeah. from the from from the authorities mm-hmm. uh though i will say a, a lesson that i learned um from from brecht uh, in 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 terms of how this musical came to be, because he did include the four songs that were translated from the Beggars Opera, mm. and when he was asked about it, he just said, "Well, I have a fundamental laxity in questions of literary property." What? Basically saying a douche monkey. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. They're in there now. It's cool. What are you gonna do? I mean. Yeah, he is the Lloyd. He's totally Lloyd Webber. <laughs> he's hundred percent Lloyd Webber. Pink Floyd. Pink what? Floyd, what? Da, 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 da. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from the entire play is in German. It's "Wach auf, du verrotteter Christ," right? Which is "Wake up, all you good Christian scum." And that's when Mr. Peachum is talking to all his beggars who believe in this God. uh, And he's like, wake up all you good Christian scum. I'm going to take advantage of you. I'm representing something that's bigger than you. You need money. Here I am, baby. And uh, (laughs) to me, that is just like the epitome of, of what we see in, in, in media today, what we see in corporate entities today. It's like, come on, come to work, do your thing. Shut up. And here we go. Uh, here we go. Yeah. And don't forget to, you know, throw a little in the in the bowl on your way out. I thought you were <laughs> going to say brush your teeth. <laughs> also, don't forget to brush your teeth. Yeah, I very important. Um, that there are still probably plenty of um, musical slash musical adjacent things, creations, shows that I'm going to hate. <laughs> plenty left. But you you related so so strongly with the creators, Julia. I know, which is bothersome. Maybe if I saw <laughs> it, I would like it more. I just but Julie, do you hate it. this one? Do you hate this this musical? Well, the uh, the only thing I have as like tangible somethingness is, <laughs> is the <dislike>. music, <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> like I was like I was this sounds like a euphemism but it's not. I was trimming my dog's hair with my mother and <laughs> I that should never be euphemism. It shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like one. Um 
And we were so like this wasn't just me and we got like eight songs in and had just like had to stop because I'm like I just I hate it all I hate it so much mm. I listened to the whole thing and, and I, at the end of it my mother said oh thank god that's over yeah <laughs> and but like I said before you're not meant to be comfortable listening I, to this but the no, other thing no one is, is meant to be comfortable in a Brechtian show or or comfortable when you've listening got to Kurt nothing Vile. but that <laughs> I don't want to. One of the reasons for that is uh, largely is the syncopation between the music and the melody. Uh, they they purposefully did that so that way the melody would be at a completely different syncopation to what the music was actually giving you, and it would just kind of put you Which in this weird state. Which can be a great state. thing, though. That can be amazing. Like, but it's but I think the. Th- what bothered me is that I checked and I counted how many tracks we'd listened to. Mum's like, what's that, three songs? I'm like, nah, it's eight. All eight <laughs> songs that sound pretty much the same. I think Yeah, this is that's, of- that's also because they were working with limitations of, of how many um, musicians they could actually use and pay well, was, uh, compared to oh, They don't have to sound the same. They, had, they, they had, had very few musicians, but that uh, the original production, the, there was a playbill that I found on – a, you know, a little slip. They it had works. seven musicians and they played a ridiculous number of instruments. Yeah, well, when <laughs> like you think something about like it, 29. 20, it was 23 or 20, 23, I think, 23 different instruments. Different instrument when you think about it, like seven a reed players. player can usually play clarinet, sax, all saxophones. Like, Well, productions now are done with you more can, musicians. <laughs> you but, can just get by, you know. Um, Be sneaky about it. Be <laughs> sneaky with your swaps. Um, back to our lessons briefly. Um, I think that uh, I think you have to look really hard for any sort of explicit messages in this. This isn't like going to The Sound of Music and Maria literally tells you the lessons, you know. <laughs> Wait, there's um, a the message whole, in The Sound of Music? The whole, point, <laughs> the whole point of this is to make you think and there is definitely a place for that. Um, um, Brecht, uh, another quote from Brecht saying that art should be used as an agent of social change and you can see that that's what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, this has a very strong thesis yeah. the whole way through. But I feel lectured by it, you know? Yeah. I don't want to feel well, lectured. That's the thing. I'm, I'm not here for I don't feel lectured by it. I feel like it's presenting you with all of this and saying, what do you think about that? Huh? Yeah, I agree with I agree with what Miranda's saying. I don't I don't feel lectured by it. It is very explicit in most cases about what it is presenting to you, but it's presenting to you something that you do not agree with naturally. Mm. And so you feel lectured by because you're like, I already don't agree with this. So why am I watching this? Yeah. This shouldn't be something that I view. Uh, but that's 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 largely the point. And I also will point out that Brecht at the end of his career said that his uh, method did not work, right? Because <laughs> yet we teach the, it in schools. The thing that happened with Brechtian and the Epic Theatre is he was trying so hard to do what uh, you were saying, Julie, which is to feel, you know, alienated by the whole thing. Um, but so many, like a large majority of the populace, when they viewed his shows, Empathized, and that's something that he underestimated with the human condition is that our ability to empathize with anything and create meaning from 
anything. And it so he's, he's putting this him. out there saying, this should make you feel so uncomfortable that you never want to behave like this. And people were watching it going, yeah, I get it. I understand why they made well, those choices. Like <laughs> when you watch things like Weeds or Breaking Bad, you're like, oh, yeah, I see what you're doing. I don't, don't love it, you're but I see what you're doing. You're a bad person, but I get why you but did it. But that is $4 million. Sweeney Todd. <laughs> This is why Sweeney Todd is your favourite show. A lesson that I learned that has less to do with philosophy uh, is where all the names come from in Mac the Knife. Like Go Polly Peachum and Jenny Diver. They're actually characters in actually the show. Actually characters in oh, the show. Know. A lot of... I, I'm a, Not all just, of them are. Some of them are movie stars and then because the versions that I know, but yeah. So this show was written in German. It... The, mm-hmm. the original opera was uh, in English. It got translated to German. And then that... Disney opera was in German and that got translated back into English. And has been chopped and changed a few times since then. Yeah. Quite and a and a large majority of the translations are horrible, by the way. <laughs> like, the, the translations from German into English do not work. I feel like Brecht um, and Kurt would be okay I, with I, that. I speak... <laughs> fluent German and reading reading the uh, the actual play which I have here in German uh, oh, oh. It, 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 it does not compare to the play I have in English it, it, there, there's so many metaphors missed and, and so many analogies that, that happen within it I mean maybe they work. had someone like me trying to <laughs> translate the metaphors because well, well, I famously don't get here's them what, here's what happened in 1931 Hollywood actually picked up Three Penny Opera because it was so popular. They made a movie of the it, Hollywood, and then yeah. they they butchered it. They butchered the translation. Bertolt Brecht was so that. angry, and he he took them to court. He actually ended up failing uh, oh, and, and losing lots of money. Is it because um, he didn't is, own the rights to some of the songs? Is it because he came to <laughs> courthouse looking a, like a hobo? What was that? A, 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 a famous laxity a when laxity. it comes to property rights. That's right. Literary property rights. <laughs> the, the opposition just went into court with that quote and said, see? And he was like, oh, yeah, fair call. He's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, got me there. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to talk a little about our dream cast for the Thrippany Opera. How many German actors do we know and how many can we put in there? I feel like Zac Efron might be German. In what world? Efron? 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 No, I don't think that's a Look, German does it have name. to come from his father's side? No. That's true. Everyone. That's true. Uh, <laughs> he's American. That's what he is. So I'm Australian. But that's if right. he was in the Thrippany yeah, Opera... Yeah, you're not German is what I'm saying. Yeah, but what's your point? Zane, can you please calm down? This show's getting out of control. Yeah. Oh. Um, so let's just get it out of the way. Um, where would we put him? Where would we put Zach? Nowhere. Everyone? Christoph Waltz as McKeith. Uh, uh, Chris, Ooh, that I, I would German. love to see Christoph Waltz Christoph as Waltz. Mr. Peachum. Oh, he would also be a really good Mr. Peachum. Does that leave McKeith open for that? <laughs> why, why are we putting we could, him in? We could just th- put him in there. Yeah. Why? Because we a- do it literally every single show. Why Wait, we're putting we Zac Efron now? in this? If we're going to cast Zac Efron, we're putting him as Filch, the first beggar of Thank the you. entire thing. Okay, Thank no, you. that's fine. I'll take it. just to be in it. Because Filch actually exposed himself uh, in, the, in the very well he doesn't expose himself but i see why you ladies are Can really uh please to that. calm down <laughs> ladies sorry matthew sorry so i'm sorry listeners i'm sorry everyone I it's apologize. been a long time since Miranda and i've been in the same room i apologize yeah, for julie quarantine it's understandable um <laughs> 
but uh, but yeah, uh, you know, Zach Efron would play a really good Filch because also Zach Efron has been the leading role for so many things. It would be amazing to see him as a minor role, just a cameo. Like he's great as a, a cameo. cameo. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, honestly, Matthew, they don't care where they put him as long as they can get his clothes off. Okay, well, that's the oh, compromise I make. Me. I have respect for his talent, thank you. I you, have respect you know for what? his talent You have too. all admitted this at some point on record. You can go and listen to the episodes. Do not fight me on this, or I will I'm put not... together a super cup of you sexually Same. harassing <laughs> Zac Efron on Same. this podcast. Same. I think the Thripping Opera's got you a little worked up. And it is. Saying, calm you down. Just calm down and tell us who else you want to cast. I think we should also probably ask for that super cut because I think it would be entertaining. <laughs> it would be good. <laughs> Patreons, it. it's coming your way. Haha, <laughs> now I have to do it. <laughs> um, I, actually re- I actually really liked um, Alan Cumming. I think Alan Cumming is... It's hard not like, to like Alan Cumming, especially yeah. in something like this where it's like it's a little bit off-centre and you want to present a very dark character that feels very real. Yeah, and I agree. And when we're watching Alan, are we not all coming? <laughs> See, he doesn't get he in trouble because he's the guest. Yeah, Because he's done it once. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that already a joke and that's frankly, been made? No. no. Damn it. no. Yeah, he's... Anyone else? Uh, I have lots of thoughts, you know, lots of feelings. Um, uh, so that's no one from you, Julie? I would like to see uh, Barbara Streisand in the role. Uh, <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> Get out of here. I Get shall out. cast Bette Midler. <laughs> as oh, her my mother. God. What is this, witches? What Ooh. Is- <laughs> <laughs> Midler no, judges I'm, you. I'm very much at a loss at for casting oh, in bread. this kind of show. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, the one thing, here's the thing, right? Yeah. So, and I'm going to throw you guys a little bit of history again. Oh, good. Is okay. that uh, uh, one of the original casts, and the way that Brecht casts this is, yes, he took some big stars in order for it to, for the time, in order for it to be a successful hit. But uh, he also auditioned a ton of non-actors. Oh, it's like right? equity theatre. <laughs> And so Lotte Lenya, who played Jenny, was a, he described her as a shrillish singer, that her singing shrillish. voice was not classically trained, and it was, it was she could hit a note, but she was shrill. But which she one it was? Tone. Debatable every evening. <laughs> it's the tone, the quality of the tone wasn't pleasant to the ear. And but so it sort so of feeds I would love into to, what I mean, were. Cindy Lauper, for example, was a great cast for Jenny because she has such a horrible tone she's a great singer but her tone she hits these really weird notes right. and the, this tonality okay. that just creates this off off kilter sound all right I and see so where you're i'd going. love to see Sorry. cindy lauper in it again could i put in liza minnelli in that theory? oh yeah definitely definitely really my thought because i don't know mrs peachum what she can sing for mrs peachum was angelica houston Coish. yeah i think i've heard her singing something no, I haven't. I've heard Mary Steinberg Beck, Steinberg. in um, Zoe's uh, incredible playlist, and it, she's terrible. Okay, well, let's not hold her sins against Angelica Houston, who is a living treasure. Shall we move on? <laughs> what about this? My, my cast for McKeith, though, yes. would be Ryan Gosling. Oh, Ooh. and yet Zach Efron, we're not allowed. No, no, Ryan Gosling has a Can very different energy. Yeah. Very different yeah. energy, though. And his voice isn't actor. so classically trained. His voice is very kind Terrible. of, I just do what Husky. I want. Husky. 
and uh, I kind of like that. Boy. Yeah, I yeah. kind of like it too. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, we're gonna move <laughs> Can on. Can you get less horny, please? I'm not horny. How dare you accuse her? Please play the music. do top fives now what top five lists are we putting the thrippany opera on top five 1920s musicals oh, <laughs> oh no top I five pre-1930s musicals nope yeah i would again no i'm Look, gonna put it on see, my list the, i actually the, i unlike you two ladies i actually quite enjoy this musical i quite enjoy the boyfriend so yeah i know uh, my 1920s is a very different feel to yours. I'm just saying my list is different. See, I'm a huge fan of, um, like, I got introduced to old school, like, 1940s, 50s music from my my, my pop who showed me, uh, he used to sing to me the song, um, uh, the, the, the company song, if you see me coming, you better step aside. A lot of men didn't and a lot of men died. I got one fist of violin and the other of steel. And if the right one don't get you, then the left one will. And that so it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> it's very so I, I loved that style of music. When I saw Three Penny Opera, I was just reminded so much of that era. And, um, and I played Filch in Three Penny Opera as well. But uh, my top list for it would be I mean, Mac the Knife. I mean, yeah. it's Die Mortatat von Mac de Messer, right? And that right. became a huge hit, <laughs> Mac the Knife. Yeah. I would put it on my all-time top five jazz lists. I will give you that one because I would it also is... put not this version of Mac the Knife, <laughs> but a better version of Mac the Knife on there. Like a swung one, you know? I don't yeah. like my Mac the Knife straight. Um, it's Fair. amazing how the, the standard, the Mac the Knife that mm-hmm. we know as mm-hmm. the jazz standard actually has um, a lot more play with the melody as well. Mm, like you yeah. listen to the original mm. and it's very straight and it's the same every line, every verse. Oh, isn't it? It's like, oh, wow, this is a very different song. It's almost unrecognisable, but it's Well, same. that's where I went like, because when I saw the track listings of this, I was like, ooh, Mac the Knife, I'm going to like this. Nope. And then I heard it. I was like, oh. See, I disagree with, both of, with what both stuff. of you were saying. I think there is a ton of swing in the original Mac the Knife. Kurt Vile himself was influenced by American uh, swing and jazz at the time. And that's why you get that syncopation of dunk, dunk, dunk. And it's just this like flow that happens with it, which allows for the melody to become something else, which is what you guys are saying. Yeah. But the, the, the foundations of it are completely swing. Maybe it was just the version I was listening to then. Top five <laughs> communist musicals. Oh, again, secret, <laughs> secretly communist. That's not I that don't think it's that secret. I don't think it's that secret. Marx is almost, almost <laughs> quoted. <laughs> He's mainstream communist. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, top five big hits to come out of Germany. Again. Wow. What wow. else came out of Germany? You guys are hating on I feel this. Like there's just no, no, is no, not hating this. on it. No. Oh, I am. <laughs> it's it is important. Like I remember studying it in uni and this yeah particular yeah piece. yeah yeah. Cool. But um, more in the context of how how theatre was growing and changing at that time. Mm. And this, you know, shows like this didn't really come up again until much later. And things like Rent 
which you love also, Julie, wouldn't exist if this sort of stuff hadn't so, set see? that really Everybody early has groundwork. Egg. You're really <laughs> only proving my hate. No, but I'm just saying. Um, whereas in other places like in America, um, there, there was a very different a lot lighter mm. shift happening where they were taking things and stripping out as much meaning as possible. They're like, no, 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 don't like, think about anything. Look it's at escapism. the shiny lights. Escapism, yeah. escapism. How, much, how many sequins and tap shoes are in this? None. You could put some in. Could, could, you, could, put put in a, definitely. could you put in a tap number? Matthew, would you put a top five Brecht or, or top five oh, vial? It would actually be my, my, my number one Brecht. Yeah. Uh, I think this is actually his uh, creme de la creme. Uh, you know his Maxis Open, uh, and and uh, I think like Mother Courage, which is his most famous after this, uh, was a was a step a step in the right direction, but but became a little bit too political uh, in, in explicitly political. This was this was something that was I believe was enjoyable for the time period. Julie uh, <laughs> was something enjoyable for people. And they could literally almost switch off for it. It was a very watered down version of Brecht that was, you know, uh, 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 all man's kind of every man's Brecht. Which so, is um, what he was yeah. trying to do, right? That sort of slide in through the subconscious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it would be literally, it would be his like, yeah, this is the one I sold out on. That would, <laughs> that would be his thing. So it's his cat. I did it again. <laughs> I didn't expect this episode to have so many references to Wait, cats. but but here's the thing, right? Cats, right? Is that also down there? That's is that Sondheim? No, that's no. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Andrew. So Lloyd Webber. wait, who did Jesus Christ Superstar? Andrew Lloyd Webber. Andrew Lloyd Webber. If it's taken so from an- Jesus Christ Superstar, was Andrew Lloyd Webber's cats? That's the thing that got him big. Well, no, cats was Andrew Lloyd Webber's cats. cats. <laughs> But this is the thing, he was already huge. So oh, it yeah, couldn't be yeah. his cats. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what you're saying is that that's the one he sold out on, but it couldn't be because he did Jesus Christ Superstar well no, before no. cats. He sold out on all of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really. Literally every yeah. single one. Phantom, he's like, mm, yeah. he's a good book. He's a, oh, he's a non-musical musical. guy trying to school musical uh, <laughs> enthusiasts on musicals. No, it's been great. This has been a good episode. I don't know how long we are, probably six hours. We're in. almost at an hour. I just want to say, would do you think... I, I can't find any statistics on this. I have looked. <laughs> Do you think that Mac the Knife might be one of the most covered musical theatre songs? Mm. I would yeah. I would say so without it actually uh, being consciously acknowledged yeah. as a musical theatre yeah. song. Yeah. Because I it think, became a jazz standard. A lot of people yeah. would be surprised to know that it came from a musical. I didn't know it came from a musical. Mm. And I got so excited and so disappointed in about 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, one, any more top fives going once, going oh, twice? I'm all nope. out. Sorry. Going three penny times. Oh, I was going to say, my favourite song in this, because I forgot to mention before, is What Keeps Mankind Alive. It's very good. Very good song. Thank you. It's for the it's second three penny finale. Yeah. The second really finale. One. There's three acts. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> You've... L- <laughs> You, you, I'm the, sorry. The the, uh, the the German translation is "Den Wolfon lebt der Mensch," which is uh, "Where then lives man?" Mm. Is the uh, translation? Yeah. Where then lives man? Where then yeah. lives man? It's like a zoo musical. It does sound a little. Um, there is a bit of patter song business going on in this, actually. Um, cool. I think we're done. Are we done? Mm-hmm. We're done. We're going to get in under an hour, guys. This is so exciting. Probably, Probably an hour and thank five you. now. Thank you very much, Matthew. It has been um, a pleasure and an educational evening. Has. We should get theatre educators on more often. Mm. Yeah. 
What's up, idea. guys? I'm totally free because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much. Is there anything you'd love to plug right now? Uh, not at all. I'm just so excited to be on here and I'm so excited that you guys are still doing stuff and keeping the, uh, the artistic spirit alive. Oh, thanks, Matthew. Did I say it right? It is not that hard. It is literally (laughs) two syllables. Cafe. Cafe. Cafe? Oh. (laughs) Thank you very much, Matthew Cafe. Like William Dafoe. William Dafoe? Yeah. Is he on the chat? Oh, God. Why did you say it, William? It's Willem. Oh, my God. (laughs) Come on, Miranda. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> no, it's not all I have to say because first I have to ask if you would like to help us be better by uh, contributing to our Patreon account. Hark, what do I hear? <laughs> they would like to be better. <laughs> they would like our content to be better, therefore they'll pay for it. Uh, if you want to pay for it, uh, <laughs> round one US dollar a month um, is the minimum. You can Thank certainly you. contribute more if cool you wish. Stuff at patreon.com slash musicals taught me everything I know you can find us on the web at that's not canon um, uh, you can find us on Facebook Twitter um, what's that Mus- taught me musicals Musicals teach me oh, that's a good one musicals teach me mm-hmm. yes on the Instagram so I totally on the just gram. saw Zane yawn during your outro then yeah. so. <laughs> I'm looking else? to him going I don't know what this him. is I wrote this it's, it's uh... and our audience <laughs> if you want to do us another favour um, if you you know just if feel you're like feeling favory, if you're feeling favory, um, you can subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, on Spotify, on whatever. Not on Spotify. Totally just let us on repeat on Spotify. It'll do it. Actually, you know, hot tip: haven't told any of the podcasters hot this tip? yet. Hot tip: what? Uh, go on to Pod Hero. Oh, Pod no, Hero. Yeah, we have to do a new. thing. So yeah, I know it's an app, and you do yeah. have to subscribe oh, to it. God. But for your six dollars a month, gets spread around to all the podcasts that you subscribe to. So if I just subscribe wow. to my own. Yeah. So you subscribe to the service yep. and they take your money and say, you listen to all of these things and we're going to give or those people some money. Yep. I keep my $6. Julie. I'm be specifically talking to the fans and oh, not yeah. to yeah. you. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. <laughs> I paid to be here. Today. So if you listen to us and a bunch of other musical podcasts or maybe some other stuff on the TNC network, um, there's a whole lot to choose from and it's growing every day. Um, you can perhaps get onto Pod Hero and give that yeah. a go. Check out uh, Shuffleology. They just did a mu- movie musicals episode and that's where they make a uh, Spotify playlist of their favourite songs from a certain genre or theme. They talk about them, they put them on a list and then they make it available on Spotify so that you can listen to it. That is a great idea. Why didn't we think of that? We did. We've got them. Oh, okay. (laughs) Cool. Well, enjoy that, everybody. (laughs) And thank you for listening to Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. Come back next week. We're going to talk more musicals. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Hi. Hi, my name is Vanessa. And I am Asabi. And together we are Wine and and Sympathy. Sympathy. That's right, a brand new podcast coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. Together we are going to talk about life, love, relationships, friendships, everything, issues, (laughs) and what it's like to be a fabulous 40-something in today's era. 
Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. We have a lot to talk about. And we've got a lot of people that we need to talk to. Lots of people to talk to. So we will be bringing to you guests from Brisbane itself, interesting people that we think you need to know. So check us out. We're on all the socials. Insta, the Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Oh, we're everywhere. <laughs> we are everywhere. And we'll have the website coming soon. So check us out. Wine and Sympathy Podcast. See ya. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.